Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome to Channel Journeys, and welcome to spring. At least it's supposed to be spring for those of us on the northern side of the planet. We're having a dogwood winter here in Georgia, which is when we're still getting freezing temps at night, even after our dogwoods have bloomed. But no matter the temperature, happy Holy Week for Christians. This is a very special week that got started on Palm Sunday, leading us up to Easter. This is your host and Channel Chief Rob Spee. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Allbound the sponsor of Channel Journeys. Allbound is the maker of a world-leading partner portal that vendors rely on to manage their diverse partner ecosystems. That includes dealers, distributors, VARs, and agents, as well as OEMs, ISVs, and even system integrators. Allbound is fast and easy to set up, and their user interface makes it really easy on partners to collaborate with you on selling, co-selling, and co-marketing while they're ramping up on their training and certifications. Check them out at allbound.com. I've shared with you how we're building out a modern partner ecosystem at Beyond Trust, and one of the motions we're adding to our partner program is MSP, Managed Service Providers. So I'm very excited to speak with today's guest, who has 20 years of MSSP business experience, starting as an MSSP himself before moving to the vendor side to build MSSP channels. Our guest today is Stephen Talent, VP of North America MSSPs at Cyber Reason. Stephen has Join Cyber Reason to build an MSSP program from the ground up, leveraging all of his knowledge and expertise in cybersecurity managed services. You're going to learn all about Pagey, their new pay-as-you-grow program that gives their MSSPs the financial flexibility they need to maximize their profits. Are you ready to learn what it takes to build a world-class MSSP program? Let's go. Hey, Stephen. Good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing out there? Doing great, Rob. Excellent. Thanks for uh, inviting. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. So uh, first off, where are you hunkered down? I'm in San Diego, California, America's finest city. It is not a bad place to be. And uh, I've been out there a number of times, but I'm always a little disappointed when I go, Stephen, because so many times when I go to San Diego, it's foggy and a lot colder than I want it to be. Don't come here in June. That's that's what I tell my uh, my friends and family. It's like, avoid San Diego in June. We have what we call June gloom. June gloom. Yeah, I must, I must time all my trips wrong, but it is a beautiful area. I love it out there. Um, so great to have you from San Diego. We've got a lot to talk about. You guys have launched a really cool new program that I want to dive into, and I want to learn from it, and I know our viewers are going to learn a lot from it too. Before we jump into that, tell me, so Cyber Reason, what, there's a, there are a lot of security companies out there. I now work for a cybersecurity company. What, and I'm still trying to figure this out, what segment of, of security are you guys in? What do you address? So principally endpoint security, so endpoint detection and response, and XDR, extended detection and response. So those are the primary areas that we're focused. And is that changing a lot, you know, with the COVID response, mobile, more, you know, people working remotely? Is that uh, increase the demand for what you guys do? Yeah, you know, I think uh, one of the metrics that we uh, that we heard was that forty percent of the workforce that was moved that was basically displaced by the pandemic and moved into a work from home environment are not actually returning. Um, so what we're seeing is that businesses have you know high value operators outside of the you know corporate firewall, and um, that means that you need to defend those operators that uh, could be you know 
in a, in a, a, a local area network at their home with teenage kids and, you know, and nowhere near the type of security that you would expect to, you know, behind the, uh, the corporate perimeter. So it has really driven uh, the focus on endpoint security and securing those mobile workers and those work from home type of, uh, type of folks. Yeah. I just launched a podcast with Carolyn April, and it was about uh, the IT industry trends report that she does. She's with CompTIA. And one of the findings in the study this year from surveys, and she surveys both partners and customers, was this, this whole push towards cybersecurity from a partner perspective and how every single partner needs to get on board with some type of security practice. Because even, even if they're not selling a security solution, the customer's going to want to know, how are you securing whatever it is that you're implementing? Yeah. And, you know, partners are out there, you know, leveraging trusted relationships they've developed de- developed with their customers. And, you know, the customer's always going to look to that trusted, you know, you know, company for security. It's, it's a, there's a lot of anxiety around that from a business perspective. And, you know, who are you going to turn to if you're a customer? You're going to turn to the person or the company that's providing your IT as a service, your basic technical support and, and help desk services. And even if you're not in the security business, you're likely to have customers come to you and say, you know, hey, what can I do to secure my environment? What can you do to help me keep my, my business safe? Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of MSPs are becoming MSSPs, right? They're moving in that direction. Absolutely. So when did you join the company? A year ago. So basically like a year ago and 10 days. So it's it's been one one whole year at Cyber Reason. Um it's been fantastic. I mean, we've really leveraged the past year, really building out and growing our capabilities around supporting MSSP partners and, you know, broadening the uh, the program to support and enable partners that maybe, you know, as you mentioned, you know, like MSPs or VARs that are moving into more of a security services play. Yeah. And that is your expertise. You've been doing that for a, a lot of years. They brought you on board. What did you find? What did the partner ecosystem look like when they brought you on board? Well, you know, we we had a couple of of really strong partners in that space, but you know, what I found was the message hadn't really been, you know, gotten out there to the MSSP community about cyber reason and the technology, the differentiators for the technology specifically for a service provider. So, we've really taken that message to the market and uh, you know, as a result, we're seeing explosive growth in the partners that are signing up and their success with our technology in a service delivery model. Was it predominantly a different type of channel, VARVAD channel, SIs, and not so much MSP when you came on board? Well, I think it was, uh, you know, the company really had reoriented itself away from a direct model and towards a channel focus, right? So I think that there was a, uh, a period of time where Cyber Reason was, you know, had created great software and was selling it to an, uh, directly to a customer. And then they recognized that the the channel was really the the the, the route uh, to market that that you know is going to uh, you know allow Cyber Reason to grow. You know, doing this all you know in, internally is is you know recognized as not the, the the best path to market from from a growth perspective. Yeah. And is MSP or MSSP now your predominant play that you want to go to market with? Well, I think we've got uh, we've got a full channel you know sort of effort that encompasses value added resellers, national account you know large uh, VARs, global systems integrators, and MSSPs. And I would say also you know there's DMRs uh, like CDW are part of the strategy. So you know, really Cyber Reason is building out its its a full channel strategy to try to enable partners of all uh, business models uh, to, to leverage our technology to secure their customers. Yeah, that complete partner ecosystem. What what drove the creation of this new program, Pay As You Grow, the PayG program? 
What, what drove the need for that when you came on board and, and saw how things were going? Well, I tell you, it was one of the things that I asked, uh, you know, in the interview process, right, was that is, is Pagey something that, that, that Cyber Reason is committed to? And the answer was yes. So I understood early on, you know, those were my, you know, first questions was, you know, what does the program look like today? What is the, is there a Pagey program now? What does multi-tenancy look like? These were all questions that I asked on the way in the door because I understood how important that is to the MSSP. And, you know, Pagey basically is, the model is moving away from, you know, build it and they will come or pre-purchasing technology and then getting your return on investment over time, which is kind of traditionally where an MSSP has lived before Pagey became sort of a, a pretty standard methodology. And really, you know, the Pagey was designed for us, uh, you know, to, to help a partner buy like they sell, right? So it, it allows a partner to recognize their return on investment, you know, instantaneously. So rather than, you know, whenever I was, uh, when I started my MSSP, you know, uh, 20 years ago, we would basically uh, own the underlying technology. And then, you know, depending on what we would charge monthly, we would get our return on investment in nine months or 18 months or whatever it was for a three-year contract. And so that was the old way of doing it. And what it did was it, it made it, cost prohibitive to do that type of business. So it, it made it harder for smaller partners to get into the game because they needed to have a, you know, the capital in the bank to basically pre-fund the technology. And what Pagey has done is opened the market up to businesses of all sizes from that perspective so that they can leverage, they don't have to leverage their capital to be able to deliver a service. Customers are really looking to consume security as a utility, you know, and so they want to consume security like they do water and power. And that means that the MSSP either needs to, you know, take that technology and a, a front-loaded expense and convert it into a, you know, an operational expense for the customer over time and get their money back, or a leverage a program like Pagey that allows them to, you know, basically buy like they sell. So they consume the underlying technology and deliver it into a customer service uh, that the customer enjoys and is able to consume in a monthly fee capacity based on usage. Are you targeting all sizes of MSSP? You know, you've got the, the GSIs that act like one and you've got the, the mom and pop shop almost. Yeah. So the way that we've looked at it is that we understand that, that certain partners have different pressure points, right? And different uh, strategic desires, right? So, so what we found is that MSPs are out there dealing with, you know, the, the trusted relationship they've developed with their customer is really built around largely around IT as a service. And now the customer's coming to them going, hey, look, I'm really worried about ransomware. You know, how do I defend my, you know, 78% of businesses, you know, small businesses that are breached or out of business within 18 months. So there's a lot of concern in that space. So, so what we've done is we've, we've really looked at the MSP partner. We looked at the value-added resellers and we've structured a program that allows them to get into managed detection and response, you know, from a, an offering perspective with a bunch of different ways that we can talk about how we help them get to, to that. So we're looking at those types of partners. And then we're also looking at the MSSPs that have traditionally been security asset management shops, right? And these are businesses that have been focused around deploying, managing, maintaining, you know, dealing with trouble, like when there's an outage, things like that, that they're security asset management. Those MSSPs are moving heavily into detection and response because that's where the market is, right? The customers are out there, 90%, I think, of customers in, in the next four years are going to be outsourcing detection and response. And the, the traditional security asset management business is pressurized, much like value-added resellers business is pressurized, right? There's a lot of competition. So it turns into a cost-cutting, you know, a price, you know, race to the bottom kind of scenario. What That's what's happening to the security asset management business, right? Is it's becoming easier to do. 
There are more players in it. It drives the margins down where detection and response is, is a highly prized uh, and highly valued by the end customer because it keeps them out of trouble, right? Detect and respond as opposed to, hey, you know, the light's still green, you're good to go. So we're looking at that type of partner as well, wanting to move towards a more detection and response play. And we've got a structure around what, you know, helping that partner do that. And then we're also, we also have, a, you know, a programmatics around the MDR provider that is currently providing detection and response and needs to adapt and evolve their service offering to include a vision to XDR, which is in our, in my mindset, XDR is the next big opportunity for managed security service providers. I'd love to break down the program. There are a lot of different elements of putting together a world-class MSSP program, right? A lot of things that you had to think about and probably negotiate internally. So starting out with kind of the, the financial and pricing model, what, what does that look like? What did you have to change there? So, you know, the something that I don't know is very well understood in the industry, especially not with um, security vendors that, that, that I've worked with or dealt with, is that, that the MSSP in many scenarios, and this is, you know, it's interesting. We had a, I had a conversation with Gartner and Gartner and I, you know, politely disagreed on this, is that MSSPs, a pure play MSSP in our mindset is a partner that owns the underlying technology. So that's a fundamental shift, right? So if you're dealing in a channel environment, what you're used to is a value-added reseller will go sell the kit to a customer. If they have a SOC and a managed services offering, they'll sell the kit and then manage it maybe, right? Whereas, you know, a pure play MSSP owns the underlying technology, delivers an outcome to a customer, and the customer is consuming security as a utility or as an operational expense, uh, as opposed to a capital expense, right? So the MSSP owns the underlying technology. And if that's the case, which in our, in my world, it is, right? It doesn't mean that it's always the case, right? In certain scenarios, an MSSP will be asked by the customer, I want to own the tech. You need to sell me the tech and manage it. And MSSP is going to say yes to that. They're always looking for an opportunity to say yes to a customer, right? But for the most part, business-wise, the margins for the MSSP are better when they own the underlying technology and they have a, a lengthy contract term that they're providing a service to a customer. The stickiness is a lot higher when they own the technology, right? So, so from a customer retention perspective, and you know, the stickiness is better when they own the underlying technology. And when they own the underlying technology, they end up owning the challenges and the problems for the customer over a period of time. So the customer gets a great deal of value out of owning it. And then if there's, you know, updates to the technology, new technology comes on board, something changes, there's a new threat that needs a new type of technology, the MSSP can then, you know, bring that technology into bear and just, you know, update their agreement with the, the, with the customer if needed. So understanding that the change in paradigm is that the MSSP owns the underlying tech, you need to make a financial model that embraces that, right? So what we've done is we've built an OPEX managed security services pricing model, which is you know, the MSSP owns and does not relinquish title to the customer of the technology. So they own the technology and they get a discount to own that, right? Where, you know, if they buy an annual subscription, they get an OPEX discount. Additionally, the Pagey program allows the MSSP to consume the technology the same way that they're selling it, which in most scenarios, with few exceptions, is, is in a monthly fee capacity to an end customer. So with those two models, you're basically saying, okay, we understand that you're going to own the technology. We want to give you an advantage to that because for cyber reasons perspective, you as an MSSP are adding a great deal of value to the customer engagement and you're making cyber reason you know, technology work the right way for the customer to get the best outcomes from the customer. So we want to incent you to be able to make margin in that when you own that tech and be that interface with cyber reason. You know, so in, in that scenario, that OPEX discount allows them to 
own the technology at a, at a deeper discount than what a value-added reseller would you know, enjoy from a pure resell perspective because we know that business model is different for them. And then the pagey side of thing is, is just purely you know, buy like you sell where you, know, if, you, know, you don't want to front load your expense. You want to basically you know, buy like you sell, I guess, is the best way to, <laughs> the best way to word that. Yeah, that's interesting what you just said. So the MSP gets a higher discount than a reseller. Is that how the program's structured? Right. And when the MSP actually sells to a customer, does the traditional resale model, then they're in parity with the VAR of the similar tier, right? So if they're both if they're both elite partners, if they're an elite reseller and an elite MSSP, if the MSSP is going to sell the kit to the end customer, then they're going to be in parity with the VAR. It's only when they own the underlying technology that they would get an advantage from that perspective. Did you have to fight for that? Because I would have thought you would just give resellers and MSPs or MSSPs the same discount. No, that was pretty quick. There was no scrap for that one. It was like, okay, yeah, they're going to, oh, wait, okay, they're going to take first call, second call, and third call support if there's a problem with the product or they can't, you know, okay, all right, well, that makes sense for us. That's a much less expensive route to market for us as a as a cybersecurity vendor because the MSSP is going to own for three to five years the satisfaction of the customer with the technology that's being put into play. So for us, our cost of goods sold is lower. Our cost of support is lower. Our customer satisfaction is higher. You know, it, it frees up our people more um, to to focus on you know other aspects of the business. So for us, it made all kinds of sense. It really wasn't a fight. No, it makes a lot of sense. And when they're doing this monthly billing, they're paying you monthly. Do they have to make a commitment? Like they're making a one year or multi year commitment to you, or is it you just totally you sell one month, you're good, or if it goes on for three years, you're good. Yeah, you know, so what we did when we actually created the PageG program is we went out and got feedback from partners on what they liked about competitive programs and what they disliked about them. And what we heard over and over again was it was kind of one way or the other. You had to pick your path, right? So what we did was we 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 created a program that allowed for a no commit, low risk, you know, model where, you know, we know cyber reason is new to many partners out there. And so for you to try out our technology and customer environments and not have a commitment level, but still be able to enjoy the technology in a pagey capacity, the no commit pagey model exists, right? That's one. And then the commit model is really once the partners have sort of built their baseline of business, they've tested the technology and the customer's environments, they know that, that it's going to, that it's going to do what it says it's going to do. And, you know, then that they move to a commit model where they get a better, you know, better pricing, but they are committing to us for a year for a period of time to, you know, that they're going to have those endpoints on page E, you know, for a year, right? So the idea is have a low risk entry entry sort of model, and then have a maintain and grow your business sort of model. Gotcha. So the no commit page E model is going to have a slightly lower discount than the commit model. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So the commit's going to give you an advantageous pricing over page E. Now, granted, the no commit page E is still very competitive in the market. So they're both winners. It just, you know, kind of depends on where the partner's at and their relationship with Cyber Reason from that perspective. But but this gives this has got to be hugely attractive to, like you said, those smaller players. They can get in, they can get to know your technology, try it out, let their clients try it out with no obligation, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what we've also done is we've created an ecosystem uh, partner tier as well, which is a partner that is specifically has a route to market through MSPs and VARs. So this is basically a partner that provides security operations center as a service and MDR as a service to, you know, smaller companies that may not have a SOC that have customers coming to them asking for security. 
So not only do they have access, you know, partners that are looking at getting into this business have access to a pagey program for their own purposes, but they also have a, a community of, of ecosystem partners that, you know, their preferred and desired route to market is through partners, MSPs and VARs that, you know, are challenged to secure their customers because they're just, you know, 4 million unfilled cybersecurity positions last year means that as you're, you're an MSP with 15 people and maybe you're, you know, 5 to 10 million a year in annual revenue, finding cybersecurity operators is really, really hard. Keeping them once you've hired them is, is, is even harder. So the ecosystem partner allows those smaller partners to come in and gain the benefits of a full-blown SOC, 7x24 capabilities. They can make margin off of selling into their customer base. They can maintain the ownership of their customer, but they can also leverage a full service without having to do it all themselves. So we're really trying to capture you know, the, the breadth of the market from the SMB on up to the enterprise with the way that we've built the, pro- the program. That's very cool. So what you were just describing is basically a two-tier model. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah. So it's like a, well, maybe like a cloud service broker or DISTI that's probably aggregating multiple, not just your solution, probably different technologies, and then providing that service out to the other, the smaller partners. Exactly. That's really cool. Very cool. All right. Any other elements from a licensing or pricing perspective that you had to build in to to meet the need of the partners? No, it was really the OPEX and PayG because I knew that those financially, those were requirements to really, you know, uh, be be relevant to an MSSP's business model. So, so yeah, those are the big ones. What you do from a partner agreement perspective, we're, we're going through this right now. And, and what we're doing is we've got all these different motions, resell, you know, managed services or just pure services. We're trying to mold them all into one standard agreement kind of framework to make it easier for partners that want to do multiple motions with us. Are you taking a, that same approach? Yeah. You know, you know, what we've really worked to do is create a general partner agreement that provides, you know, limits of liability and insurances and things like that from a general partner, you know, perspective, uh, you know, the obligations the partner has when, you know, providing our technology into an end customer. And then we have capacity agreements that allow them to either, you know, to, to be a, an MSSP or to be a reseller, you know, uh, so, so the capacity agreements sort of suit their business model, you know, allow them to, you know, have an agreement with cyber reason that reflects their business, right? So what, what I worked to do when I got here was to the legal counsel for a company like cyber reason is looking to defend cyber reason. That's what the agreements are all about is protecting cyber reason, right? In order for you to have a, a partner relationship that's healthy though, you need to also help the protect the MSSP or the partner in that agreement and make it to where it's not so uh, such an onerous agreement that they can't sign it, right? And 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 you can be so you can be ultra protectionistic as a, a vendor, a security vendor, and get into a situation where every single contract that you put in front of a, a new partner turns into this back and forth for for weeks, right? Or you can build an agreement that allows for some flexibility around pain points that they have. For example, some partners may be in the middle of trying to sell their business, right? And so for, for to have a real onerous agreement in place with a security vendor puts them in a tough spot for, for those negotiations with maybe private equity or other you know acquiring parties. So there's that pressure point. You have to understand that, right? Um, there are other businesses that just have a ton of liability protection, maybe cyber insurance and things like that, that, that need to be reflected in the agreement. So what we did was we we basically took the the original agreement that existed while we were here and we just made it more signable. We made it easier for the for the partner to digest it and asked for less things like, you know, you need to tell us exactly, you know, you know, you need to report to us on a weekly basis, you know, 
what customers you're talking to and all this other stuff to where it was just like, it becomes very hard for a partner to sit there and go, look, I can't, I can't dedicate someone in my company to updating you on this, this, and this, and just, you know, certain things that made it very challenging for an MSSP to sign. So we made the agreement just easier uh, to sign while still protecting cyber reason and protecting the partner in the agreement. So I think we made great progress there. Yeah, that's good to hear. You see a lot of agreements that are very one-sided, you know, like indemnity clause only protecting me, uh, liability only protecting me, right? And those are the first points that partners want to negotiate. Well, I tell you, your legal agreement is an indicator to the cultural impact that company is. It's it's an indicator of, of culture in my mind. If you see a legal agreement that is just really harsh and really hard and really one-sided, that sends a message to that partner that's looking at the agreement that maybe this is what our relationship is going to be like. And I don't know if I like that, right? Because you shouldn't think that just because the contract, you know, it, that the whole company is going to be like the contract. But a lot of times that's that's what the partner sees is the first thing they're looking at is like, okay, I saw your technology. It's great. I want to do business with you guys. Okay, let's look at those agreements. And then they look at the agreement and go, holy smokes, my left arm and my firstborn, what? You know, so so you got to have it be something that that is mutually mutually beneficial from from a from an agreement perspective. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think it even sometimes starts with an NDA. It's like, hey, let's put an NDA place. And then if you have a super onerous NDA and you're negotiating for eight weeks, or if the partner's pushing back like that, that's another good indicator that this this may may be a difficult partnership. Yeah, no, and I I, I literally weekly I have at least you know because we we have a lot of partners that are coming to us and wanting to join up, and you know weekly I have the the legal calls. You know, I have a reference call and, and, you know, I spend time talking to the partner before they ever end up talking to counsel. And before the red lines go back and forth, it's like, hey, this is the, this is the spirit of this language. This is what we're trying to get at there. And, you know, and things like that. So it's, it's a big part of the start of that relationship with the partner is, is what does the contracts look like? Right. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. So that's uh, contracts. What about technology? Did you have to make any enhancements to your product? You know, what, based on what the partners, you often hear from MSSPs or MSPs, you know, multi-tenancy and uh, integration, support for different, you know, other programs that they have to run their business? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because, you know, what you know, it's, it, you know, MSSPs are the one thing that you can characterize an MSSP almost universally is they have multiple customers that they're managing. Right. I mean, that's, that's what they do. So in order for you to be, have the right kind of technology for a partner that their business is multi-tenant management and support of multiple customers in an environment, your technology needs to suit that business model. Right. Because at the end of the day, it can be the best technology in keeping, you know, nation states out of, of your customer network. But if, if it's swivel chairing around and it's doing all these things, your operational overhead is, it becomes onerous. Right. So, you know, what I end up, you know, the conversations I end up having with partners and with our own people internally around product is that our technology is really only about 18 to 20% of the total cost of goods sold for what an MSSP delivers to a customer. And, and in a lot of scenarios, you know, the feeling is the other way around is like our technology costs the, is the biggest predominant aspect of the cost of goods sold for an MSSP, but it's not. 70% of the cost of goods sold for an MSSP is their people. It's what their humans are doing or their smart humans are doing. That's 70% of their cost. So that's where multi-tenancy becomes critical, right? So when I when I arrived at, at Cyber Reason, we had what we call SOC Federation, which it really isn't multi-tenancy per se. It's a nod towards multi-tenancy, but it wasn't fully what it needed to be. So since that time, what we've done is we've, we've invested massive engineering resources on the product side 
to shape full-blown multi-customer management, or MCM is what we're calling it. And what we've done is we've had quarter by quarter, we're adding new capabilities that really are moving towards that full multi-customer management where you have a parent and multiple child capabilities, right? Parent, child, child. So you can have a partner within a partner within a partner. You, you know, so basically building out the, the ability for the MSSP to effectively manage hundreds of customers and onboard customers in, a, in an automated fashion and, and be able to do all the things that you need to do from an MSSP's perspective. And that has been, that has been a build. And we're in that process and we're making great progress on that. Uh, every quarter, we have new functionality as we get closer and closer to full-blown multi-tenancy and the, multi, the, the multi-customer management. So when I arrived here, and one of the reasons that I came even, you know, where understanding that the product needed to be, you know, moved towards multi-tenancy was the, the, the product is really operation-centric to start with, right? So many of the technologies that our partners are dealing with out there today on the endpoint really weren't designed for an operational perspective. They were designed for a customer. You know, it's like here, here, customer, you own this stuff. Your people will go in and do their thing and they'll check on it and they'll watch it. Our technology was actually designed from an operations perspective with the understanding that operations is the, you know, the most impactful aspect of the business, right? If your operators are effective and efficient, um, then, then you're able to stop the attackers. If you lose things in the chaff and, and you can't separate the, the signal from the noise, that's a problem, right? And then once, you, once you've identified a problem, how do you operationally mitigate the problem? And how do you operationally mitigate problems that haven't even arrived there yet, right? So that's really where I was attracted to Cyber Reason was looking at the efficiencies and the efficacy of the product, knowing that with multi-tenancy in place, it, it would be one of the finest products available to the managed security service provider. Gotcha. So you're building towards that. You've got a roadmap to get you there. With with the solution being so heavily dependent on people, 70% people, that means people with skills. What does that mean for you in terms of partner enablement? Have you had to up your game from a partner enablement perspective? You know what? Actually, it's the other way around. We, the technology is, is intuitive to the extent that our partners are able to leverage less senior operators to be highly sophisticated in their threat hunting and malicious operations uh, investigation capability. So on the flip side, where, you know, where many of the technologies that I've, that I've been, you know, working with in the past have required a rocket scientist or, you know, a brain surgeon to get in there and do stuff like threat hunting, right? To give you an example, if you want to threat hunt in many of the other platforms out there, you need to learn their coding, right? So you need to learn what their, what their language is. So imagine going back to visual C++ or Visual Basic or something like that and fi figuring out what the commands are to get the answers that you need. That's what most of the vendors out there are doing today. So you have a tier three you know, operator being the only one that can be effective in threat hunting because they're, they're trained on how to ask the questions in the, in the context of the code. With us, it's a point, it, it's an ask a question, get an answer. It, it, it really, it, it's a simplified visual interface that, you know, I've heard Apple Elegant I've heard a lot of really positive things about like the quality of the feel of the environment. But really, at the end of the day, what it does is it makes a less senior operator able to be very sophisticated at what they're able to accomplish on the technology. So that's one of the big things that I got from feed feedback from partners on was that, hey, I can use a tier one kid wet behind the ears, just got him out of college. I can put him in front of the console and I go, here's what you do to do basic threat hunting. And I can be effective with this with this operator. I don't have to have a tier three, two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year guy or gal that you know that is going to immediately impact my margin because I've got to have some somebody like that on on the console to get something done. And so 
you know, was kind of the flip side. And that's one of the things that really drew me to the company because the challenge is, is that you can't find these people, right? And keeping them in the chair in a sock tier one role is, is next to impossible. Nobody wants that job after they've been in it for about six months because it's just, it's a life sucking sort of existence to sit there and try and figure out what all this, all these alerts, which one should I be paying attention to? And man, if I miss one, my customer's in jeopardy. So it's just this really stressful scenario. And what I, re- when I you know, in talking to partners, as I recognized that they were able to be very effective with less senior operators because the in- interface was that intuitive. So match that with full-blown multi-tenancy and you've got a real, a real, uh, uh, you know, differentiated capability. Yeah. Great economics around that. How about, you know, talking about these partners providing, you know, tier one, tier two support lowers your cost at more training for them, how to provide that level of customer support or tech support that you had to, was there some enablement around that? You know, what we found is, is that the partners have, have a really good command of providing support down to the customer, the good ones, right? I mean, there's a lot of them that they already know that, that cadence, that interface, that, that, uh, the pressure points, um, you know, they have they have the, the relationship with the, the customer, you know, and and in that scenario, the satisfaction of the customer is tied to the way that they're providing that ongoing support. And really, it's about having the partner be able to be highly effective with our tech. So it's preparing the partner to be really good with our technology more so than it is teaching them how to take care of their end customer, right? They, they take care of their customer well. We just need to make sure that the, the, the technology is doing what it needs to do to support their delivery model. That makes sense. Let's think, what else? People, your team, have you had to, what, what type of people have you had to add within Cyber Reason to support this new program? So my, my MO is, is bring in, you know, you wouldn't ever expect a, you know, a 17-year-old kid to be able to teach you how to drive a Ferrari, right? If you wanted to go drive a Ferrari, learn how to race cars, you would you would go to someone with experience racing cars. If you wanted to learn how to break 80 in golf, you know, you would go find an experienced trainer to to teach you how to hit, hit the ball well, right? And so that's my MO with the MSSP team is I've built out and and brought in professionals with backgrounds in MSSP operations, service delivery, sales and marketing. So everyone on my team comes from a background of either being at an MSSP or serving MSSPs in their previous roles, right? And so the net is that everyone on the MSSP team understands the partner's business model, that the partner doesn't have to explain to anyone on my team the pressures of their business, the delivery methodologies that they're using, the challenges that are facing them and being differentiated in the space. I mean, it's it's like the people on my team come out of that from a background perspective. So there's there's no explaining what you do as an MSSP partner to to the MSSP team. And it, you know what's what's crazy is like if you call an MSSP a VAR, they get angry. They don't want to be called that, right? Just I mean, just like you know, you wouldn't call a chicken a duck. They don't want to be called a VAR if they're not, you know, that's not their business. And so my team is really made up of people with backgrounds in that space because I think that's critically important. That doesn't mean that there isn't new talent that can be attracted and brought in. Like we're, we're, we're literally working with business development reps on our team that are learning the MSSP business and stuff. So there's a path for new talent to join the MSSP uh, capability. But really, the mission for this team is to um, you know live in that world, understand the, that partner's pressure points and challenges, and create programs and create enablement models and service motions that help them with their business. Does your team of experts, do they have partners that they own and manage, or are they more overlays to the channel team that own the partners? 
So, so we directly support the partner from an account management perspective, but we work closely with our channel teams, our, our field sellers. So for us, you know, we're, we're a channel focused company, right? So, so when a, when a field seller is engaging with an end customer, let's say it's ABC Corporation, you know, that field seller is trying to solve a problem, right? For, for them, they want to create a business solution for the, for the customer with our product. So we're working with that field seller and connecting them with our managed security service providers, equivalent seller to go out there and engage together. So we're we're subject matter experts and overlays from the perspective of supporting the field seller in an engagement with a customer that doesn't want to do it themselves, which most don't, by the way, 80 to 90% of businesses are outsourcing some or all of their security to to an MSSP. And this I validated last week with Gartner, by the way. I asked the Gartner guy, is like, hey, is, is this number accurate? This was two years ago. I don't know if it's still accurate. He said, yeah, absolutely. And say then, t- tell me the number again. What is it? So 80 to 90% of businesses outsource some or all of their security to an MSSP. So it's a huge number. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, how many people work on their own car? You know what I mean? And, the, and you see how complex cars are getting, right? Fewer and fewer people are going to touch their own car, right? They're going to, and it's the same thing with cybersecurity is, is it's getting more and more complicated. You're not going to sit there and try and figure it out yourself and go, geez, I'm going to take weekend courses on how to fix my Tesla. You know, like, no, you're not going to mess with it. You're going to take it down to Tesla, right? So. No. Interesting. All right. Have I missed anything? We talked about a lot of elements putting this all together. You know, you know, you were talking, one of the things that you'd asked, uh, you know, was, you know, what does it take to build a world-class MSSP, pro, you know, pro partner program? And I, and I think, you know, the answer is, it's, it's not as clear as I think a lot of people would think, right? Because I think that a lot, of, a lot of vendors out there that are trying to get their heads around what's a good MSSP program look like? How do you get partners excited to want to work with you as a vendor? Um, I, I think what a lot of, uh, of vendors do is kind of go, okay, you as an MSSP, you know what you're doing. Here's our kit. You go do your thing. Call us back whenever you need more stuff. We'll give you some marketing collateral. We'll give you some MDF money and, and, and you know, pay for top golf and you invite some customers. So now I think that a lot of vendors sort of look at it like that, and that's not disparaging the other vendors out there. It's just not a, you know, not a simple, you know, kind of business model to support, but really the way that, that I think you have to, to, to build out a program that, that, you know, for partners is you have to take into account every aspect of their business. You know, it's not just a sales thing, right? There's a sales and marketing component to what you're doing as a vendor supporting a, a program, right? You, you're creating collateral that has a service orientation to it. You know, it's not a product sale. It's a, it's a service orientation. So the sales and marketing side supports that. Obviously, you want to help the partner grow their business. So you're supporting and funding you know, events that attract customers and things like that. But the other aspect is the technical and operations side. And that's what I see vendors really not incorporating into their partner program as much as heavy sales and marketing. So the technical and operations side is really where the wheels hit the road for the MSSP. And if you create service motions around that area of their business, you're really driving value from a program perspective, right? So what we've done is we've taken into account the MSSP's business operations and service delivery workflow, and we're providing support in engineering and DevOps and API uh, types of support to help partners integrate our technology into their service workflow and gain better operational efficiencies and operational maturity using our technology in their service delivery. That's key, right? So that's a big part of having a a program that's going to truly be successful is providing service motions around the technical and operations aspect of what the MSSP is doing, the mindset to their service profitability. 
Because at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about the, the MSSP going and moving away from you as a security vendor and going to another one. Their service is profitable and successful with your tech. You don't have to worry about them leaving you. You have to worry about them leaving you whenever they're not making money, their, their service margins are eroding, your tech is, is causing their, them problems. You update your tech and it brings down hundreds of their customers. You know, I mean, just little, like little things that we would consider to be like, you're know, like, yeah, basic stuff, right? Um, all of that stuff is, is really on the technical and operation side and the support side. Because guess what? No vendor is perfect. As an MSSP, most MSSPs understand this. Is that as they sit there and they look at vendor onboarding, they look at the vendors from a couple different perspectives and they understand that no vendor is perfect. Vendors are going to update their technology and their software and it's going to break things. And you're going to, you're going to then be the MSSP owning the end customer relationship. The customer doesn't care if it's the vendor. They're looking at you. They're looking at you as a service provider to, to make it make it work, make it work right, right? So that's where I think is is key in a, programmat, a programmatic aspect is you got to take into account the technical and operations side of the MSSP's business and then provide, provide support around that as a part of your program. That's really interesting. Did you bring in a, a someone like a dedicated headcount for that or is it just more kind of when you did? An engineering yeah. team, yeah. So, so basically, I built out, uh, you know, an engineering team specifically with background in MSSP operations, um, having worked at an MSSP in a service delivery methodology, and then also DevOps and API support. So that that's what, you know, what separates the MSSP engineering team from the field SEs is the MSSP engineering team is about service delivery and enabling that and supporting that as opposed to features and benefits of the product, demo the product to an end customer. It's a different kind of mentality, if you will, from a systems engineering perspective. So definitely brought in specialized skill sets around that. So most of us are used to having channel SEs. This is a MSSP SE, essentially. Yeah, channel SE or a field SE, critically important to the organization, having the systems engineers out there that are engaging with customers and you know, being able to provide, you know, the features and benefits explanations and demos and things like that, where the MSSP engineer really is, is the customer is the MSSP. It's not the customer for us, right? And it's, it's understanding the, the fact that they're all using remote monitoring and management software. They're using ITSM software. They're all, they're all running ConnectWise, ServiceNow, Kaseya, Dato, something like that to run their business. So, so understanding how our technology talks to that technology and making sure that it talks to that technology, by the way, uh, you know, is, is a part of the business where it's couldn't be further from what a field systems engineer needs to do on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's really cool. All right, great. Well, we covered a ton of uh, good points here. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm curious. You were an MSSP. How did you get into the, this business in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started out as, as a security seller at a VAR. And, uh, and, I, and I basically, you know, kind of got tired of every month going from hero to zero, sell something. And then the next month you're a zero again, right? So I asked the owners of the business, I said, look, can I start a division within the, the, the VAR? And we're going to just do managed security services. And we're not even going to sell the tech. I want to own the tech. And they said, you know how expensive that's going to be. I'm like, yeah. I think I can bring it back to you in this period of time. So what we did was we we transformed the VAR into an MSSP. So where the MSSP piece of the business for the VAR was 1% of the business, it, it became 90% of the business. And then we ended up being acquired by a larger company because of the managed security services piece of the business. And so after you know being in, included in that by some, some wonderful people, mentors to this day, you know, I went off and did projects in other areas that were trying to bring in a managed security services business in a variety of different 
types of spaces. And then I spent the last nine years at Fortinet building a $130 million business over there with 200 plus MSSP partners there. So, you know, I've been in the MSSP space for, for 20 years, whether it's on an operational side as an MSSP or as a consultant and a thought leader in the space and, uh, and a supporter of the MSSP uh, partner community from that perspective. Wow. All right. You are our MSSP expert well, for channel journeys. There we go. <laughs> right on. I'm your Huckleberry. There we go. Awesome. So, and how do you blow off steam? What do you love to do outside the, the this business? I like to hit golf balls. I like to surf. So those are probably the two things, you know, you know, I'm a big golf fan. Uh, it's, it's probably the thing that I love doing the most that loves me the least, but uh, surfing is the other one. I love to get in the ocean. You know, you, it's, it's great to be able to feel small somewhere. Um, and I think that uh, it's important to feel small somewhere to put things into perspective and just go out in a four to six foot swell in, uh, in the Pacific Ocean. And, uh, and that, that'll, uh, that'll adjust your attitude right quick. I bet. Are you a longboarder? It, you know, I've got a longboard and shortboard. I'm a paddle surfer. So, so I actually have a paddle and I paddle into waves with, with a paddle. So it's a stand up paddle or sup. So yeah, I have an, a distinct advantage over the surfers in the water and they don't like me much, but uh, you know, I'm out there to have a good time and uh, you know, try not to get in a getting a brawl on the beach. Yeah, it's pretty territorial, isn't it? When you're out there? It's very territorial. Yeah. And and it's kind of like, it's like any technology advancement it, it is, is whenever you advance some technology that impedes, you know, what the previous technology was doing. If you can imagine you're a surfer, you're laying down on a board paddling to get anywhere you want to go. Your speed to getting from A to B is a lot slower than mine with a paddle. And I'm trucking along. I can be further out. I can catch bigger waves. I can catch them further outside. So yeah, it's just like it's you could you can use this as a paradigm towards any technology advancement. Someone is going to get left behind whenever the new technology comes down the pike. And that's actually worse. You know, I don't want to bring this back to cyber reason, but let's bring it back to cyber reason. Is literally the old endpoint technologies are just not. They're the lie down surfers, and you know, cyber reason is the stand up paddle surfer. You're the sup. <laughs> The sup of security. All right. That's awesome. Stephen, thanks again. This has been fantastic. I learned a ton. I hope the listeners did too. Uh, can folks, are you open to folks reaching out to you if they have more questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. MSSP at cyberreason.com or uh, Stephen.talent at cyberreason.com. Drop me a line. All right. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, enjoy the surf. Go tick off those old school surfers with your sup. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. See ya. All right, guys, what an episode packed with valuable lessons for anyone building an MSP or MSSP program. Thanks again, Stephen, for sharing all of that with us. I really like how he has the pay-as-you-go program to help MSSPs getting started in that very flexible and low-risk model, plus a more structured model when the partner is ready to make a firmer commitment on their subscription. And don't forget the key ingredient, the MSSP engineers to provide the technical support the partners need to get started. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to our sponsor, Allbound. Allbound has best-in-class reviews for user experience, ease of use, and customer support. And if you are looking for an easier way to manage your partner ecosystem, whether it's for deal registration, tracking partner opportunities, giving partners easy access to all of your sales and marketing materials, well, be sure to check out Allbound at allbound.com. For today's show notes, you can go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ87. You can subscribe while you're there. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a few minutes, leave a rating and review on your podcast platform. That will really help grow the audience. Next up, next episode, we'll be exploring the evolving role of distribution, a very popular topic. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. 
For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.